Welcome to the Find Fit Podcast, the fitness podcast to rediscover and redefine the way we look at being fit. Find it, believe it, achieve it. We are live. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. We are live with Mr. Rye Hickey, my brother from another mother. I believe you said it best when you said when we first met, you had me at protein, bro. I was. That sounds very accurate. <laughs> and it likely was within the first few sentences of our meet as well. A hundred percent. And if you could see what I'm seeing over this video, you would all know why I love this man <laughs> so much. Mr. Rye Hickey, consultant for Trevor Cashy Nutrition, is that correct? That is, yes, sir. You got it. And all of our talks um, over the years, I am so, so excited for everyone to hear your beautiful voice and to let them know all about that consulting. Uh, in a nutshell, you know, I even wrote the little blurb out because I was manifesting all of our conversations here uh, recently. Um, believe we we spent many hours walking and walking and talking, and uh, saying it best. I believe you know you've been transforming people's lives in extraordinary ways, both psychologically and physically, to fully encompass working in and working out. And, I, you know, I believe that in a nutshell was kind of the, the conclusion of all of our conversations because it goes so, so, so much further than, uh, you know, the working out or counting macros and all of this, uh, you know, mainstream stuff. I always think of you walk into a supplement store and you see the walls filled with products, but uh, we don't know where to start. And, you know, the find fit project, shall we say, is just making it easier for people. And so today I'm super excited for you to share your wisdom, my friend, my brother. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Let's dive in. I don't even I know it. where to begin. So you I tell me. You so tell me, yeah, chapter. just tell me more. Tell me more what you've been doing these days. And uh, tell all the listeners and and uh, a little bit about Trevor Cashy Nutrition and the consulting, and even more so, Ryan. Let you go, but uh, yeah. uh, go on about you know your your background, history, why you are just so passionate about this. Because I know that it spills over every time that we are together, um, and I know these listeners are going to hear it today. Awesome, man! Great starting point. So, quick background, I grew up with a very health conscious nurse mother. So my introduction to living well and eating well and staying active, prioritizing sleep, all the stuff that makes us feel good as humans was, was early. I was very fortunate in that sense. And yet I gravitated towards more of the higher earning potential out of high school, I got into marketing and business, and I ended up in sales for about a decade, all while being very much into my own fitness and nutrition, and also getting sucked into the, the ample number of traps out there 
based on all the conflicting information and charlatans trying to sell shit. And so I did a lot of program hopping, a lot of fad diet hopping. And much to my frustration, eventually hit a point where I said, you know what? I was reasonably fit to the degree that friends would ask for fitness advice or nutrition advice. And I would give it to them and then kind of also think, I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so I thought maybe this is a maybe this is a good time to actually invest in myself. I was feeling somewhat unfulfilled in sales. And so I started pursuing a particular nutrition certification from Precision Nutrition, kind of on the side for my own knowledge to help friends and family, et cetera. And also with the ultimate intention to possibly start making a career transition into coaching. And so I did that. And that turned into a amazing and frustrating journey of basically trying to run my own practice, get, get all the business stuff dialed in while learning how to coach, which I was completely green to. And then I was fortunate enough to have the stars aligned, so to speak, and be introduced to this company that I now consult for exclusively, Trevor Cash Nutrition. So the past year or so, I've been learning from this guy, Dr. Kashi and his team. And it's been the most transfor transformational year of my adulthood. What started as a journey in nutrition coaching quickly became development and helping others develop life skills because you can know all there is to know about nutritional science. And yet if you are unable to help someone develop the skills that allow them to manage their thoughts and emotions and behavior and relationships, then that science or that nutritional science is rendered kind of moot because people get stressed out. We know how the brain operates and the decisions that we make. We act quite irrationally in the face of stress and life challenges that we all experience. So yeah, in, in essence, we are a, we're a life skills company that masquerades as a nutrition company, hence the name Trevor Cashy Nutrition. In reality, it's so much more about the cognitive side of developing various skills in order to self-regulate behavior, become aware of irrational thought processes, assert ourselves in relationships, meaning staying true to our values while respecting others. And these types of skills that help us ultimately manage the stressors in our lives and start doing more smart stuff and less dumb stuff, which, which renders the body we want, the life we want as a side effect of becoming the person that it takes to get those things. No, that's so cool about, you know, everything that you'd mentioned about what Trevor Cashy 
encompasses and of course we always think of and you hear even the word nutrition but you take it to a whole new level with this and you're 100 correct that's why i love you so much but the impartiality of it all and going back to you know the simple forms of habits and just like just knowing how to eat again right without even jumping into the science behind it uh creating new habits you know post covid with mental health sides and throughout it um you know i we've definitely shared it i think that's why we we share so many thoughts um together because it's that win the day mentality right um and each day and, and taking on each days and creating again those new new habits both psychologically and the physical side of it the abundance of information out there uh you know is is basically needing to be dissected and i think you know us coaches together it's such a honor and i can just feel your passion that you know we, we do the science stuff about it but then we come back to the client and and you know try to make it the fun the fun out of it right and, and get them doing it each day yeah man big time i mean that's uh, you can i i say when i say the i i phrase that in a way that kind of separated the nutritional science from the other stuff i would consider it like all and again I, I don't know if i did mention this but dr cash is is a scientist by trade he's a biochemist and uh so he takes a very data-driven scientific mindset to your point the science of behavior is where you can you kind of integrate the two so we look at it from the lens of again if i were to throw nutritional science into like a box or this this isolated category and then having that integrate with the with the behavior side because you and i both know to get someone you know super shredded let's just start with that example it's pretty straightforward process in theory on paper to get someone to do like there's certain behaviors just to get them to do that um getting someone to do that is where this rabbit hole goes so deep because we've been i say we like the royal we a lot of us have been i i refrain from using the words like we've been lied to but there's just a lot of misleading information and again people trying to sell stuff and and conflicting things out there that have made us sort of believe that yeah well i i sh i should be just able to start this program and reach my my body composition goal in 3 months because this magazine says it's doable and i've done it before Well, how did that work out for you big picture? You may have done it before, you ended up gaining the all the weight back plus an additional 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds, whatever it may be. So yeah, like like I said the the difference between my practice when I was doing it on my own and getting involved with this company and seeing the way that Dr. Kashi works how deep he goes into the research more on the behavior side he he developed in a, just a world class reputation within the nutritional realm to the point where he was recruited by 
foreign government agencies to manipulate their Olympic fight team nutrition and wellness and everything. So he mastered, so to speak, that realm of nutritional manipulation, given his background and just his like obsessive nature uh, and extreme passion for learning and app application. Um, now that's shifted towards his more kind of focal point of like, you know, caring more about the average, the average person just trying to live a life worth living because a lot of people, they, they teeter on that edge. We put on a fun, a, an exciting face and, you know, say that we're doing good. And a lot of us, like you said, to pull it back to the whole mental health thing, like a lot of people want to eat a fucking bullet these days. So it's like, you know, helping that person who signs up for this program with the intention or maybe even drawn into it, seeing like a transformation photo that that's our foot that's our foot in the door as long as we can get them in the program and then start helping them understand like white knuckling a cut so to speak or a fat loss phase to your to your ideal body composition only to end up eating the least amount of calories being starving your body's taken it as a threat taking your transformation photos and then just like reverting back to your pro your previous habits and eating patterns thus gaining all of that back and feeling miserable that's just like a fast that's just perpetuating the misery so one of the most rewarding pieces of what we do is that entire process the relationships that you develop with the clients and one of the coolest things that i see is, is clients coming in wanting that outcome and then over time helping them address the skills that they're missing or need serious development in that allow them to manage the stressors in their lives and start doing more smart stuff and less and less dumb stuff and ultimately they end up like eating way more food they come in you know they're eating way more food leaving the program they're weighing significantly less which seems like kind of a crazy crazy paradox but i see it all the time and it's just it goes so much beyond the the photos that we see like that's whenever we get people to write up transformation or testimonials it's it's most often that they say these photos really paint you know a tenth of the picture because the effect that this shit has on the rest of their life is that profound piece where they come into the program they think if i have if i just have this body then my life will be good right we know that is not the case when we help them develop the life skills that ultimately render the body that they want as a, as a side effect, those skills also are being applied to the rest of their, their life and they're, they're managing distortions, right? They're managing their thoughts when they used to dramatize and say, this always happens to me and why fucking bother? Like, what's the point? I'm always going to be shitty at this. I'll never look like this person. This is awful, terrible. 
all these judgmental moral dramatizations that we make they're now they have the skills and the tools to manage those things and the highs and lows get compressed they're less on this roller coaster of of ebbs and flows extremes you know in terms of the ups and downs and again like as a side effect but life just becomes exponentially better as a result it's, it's so cool what you're saying there because it's like i think people just need to fucking give themselves a pat on the back and you know you the way you just said that too um all i could think of is that lifestyle is one of the hardest sports out there and being a coach and you know uh not only competing myself but actually getting people prepped for shows or marathons or uh hockey or sports specific uh law enforcement you know the next job getting ready for physicality yes it's hard but as a coach i actually find it a lot easier to coach because psychologically they're there and right. I, I had that light bulb moment just only a couple of years ago and i've been doing it for quite some time right because i i did i became like that rehab coach right because you know people would come in one of these competitions and i'd be like well you're doing this this and that and their stress was through the roof and all that and i said hey here's your blueprint follow it you gotta eat this you work out like this here's your program it's gonna change every four weeks hit your macros i don't want you here i don't want to hear you complaining you want the blueprint? There you go. And even better, I'm not even training you until you show me the receipt for that show or whatever you're doing, because uh, that's half the battle right there. And then boom, and go for it. And then these lifestyle people come along. They're like, hey, Rab, oh, that person looks really good. I want to look like them and this and that. And, and then they're jumping on and off this, this wagon. And at the end of the day, it's like, take a breath and start going, hey, let's learn about me. Let's learn about me first. And as a coach, we have to adapt to that. But the best part about being a coach is quality over quantity. And it's difficult as a coach. And I know even, you know, financially it's difficult. But when you have someone so passionate like yourself, you know, taking these people on and actually learning about them and learning how to keep them on track and, and planting the right seeds and, and, you know, uh, trying to, you know, take the, the old habits out of that brain and create these new habits. Like that's a sport, man. And, and people should really be proud of themselves uh, for that. And, you know, rather than having to like, you know, I've said it before, but like stop taking that step one and jump into step 10, like give yourself a pat on the back and start with a foundation, right? And I'm sure you're like me, uh, and actually I'll ask you the same thing about your foundations, but it's like, you know, let's, for me, I'm like, what are three things <laughs> that you can do every day and start with that? And don't worry, we can make a list, right? But like, we're gonna make a list about you. And I, you know, I'm very passionate about that because I do account with check-ins every morning for my client. I'm super excited to do that because even better than that, what they don't realize is I get to learn more about them, right? And it's like that those 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 falls and those the, you know the, the the wins and and all of that and, and great, yes, for a show or a marathon, it's like you get uh, you know maybe a trophy at, at the end of the day, but you're getting trophies like daily with lifestyle diets.
Do you know what I mean? Like it, it is truly a lifestyle and it's a win each day rather than a win at the end, because there's no real big win. If suddenly you do something, you achieve it, you win that trophy or you get to that top of the mountain and then you're done. And you see that a lot. Right. And I do, I'm super envious of the people that are like, it's not me. And that's why I think like, you, you know, there's athletes, there's coaches <laughs> first and foremost, coach baby. And I love it. Right. But there's athletes out there. And the reason that, that, you know, I've, I've hung up the athlete uniform in a way, and, and it doesn't mean I don't train. I hundred percent do, but why I love being a coach is that I am, I'm all over the place. I like trying new things, learning new things. It makes you a good coach. An athlete is like, again, going back to being envious is like the hockey player that wakes up dreaming about hockey, thinking about hockey, training, like hockey, eating for hockey, like, amazing like i can't believe like i'm envious of that because i wish i could do that and now you go into a lifestyle bracket and you go these are people that are waking up with you know dreaming about work you know dreaming about parenting dreaming about all this stuff but they can attain those goals but i think number one to go back and exactly what you just said is just be nice to yourself first then as a coach we'll get you there yeah man i mean so much of it comes down to I was thinking about this recently and the thing that I've seen most, if I could say, if I could deduce or reduce the most impactful piece of improving one's life, it would be managing distortions. Simple as that managing one's distortions. So we do things within our lives that, Dr. Cashy uses this, this hilarious metaphor and encourages clients to make, make their own mistake metaphor, so to speak. He calls it slashing the other three tires. So things that we do with our health and wellness, we get a flat tire and we decide to then go slash the other three. This would be, you know, the situation where we Maybe we blow past our, if, if they have calorie targets, we blow past our calorie targets. So I'll already missed the target. Might as well keep going. Let's, let's binge until I feel ill and I'll start again tomorrow. And yet we know that like the human biology is keeping the score. The difference between exceeding your maintenance level of food intake by a hundred calories and a thousand is astronomically different and you will feel that difference in the following days so we we have these kind of like ways of behaving for some interesting reason and we can we can get into like the nitty-gritty of the behavior stuff which i i love nerding out about because that was like one of the biggest pieces is, you know, if we just get over our damn selves as, as people and realize that we're just animals, the reason why we've, we do things is mostly because we've done it that way before. So we have learned ways from a variety of environmental, genetic, just learned and like genetic and epigenetic stuff that has created these certain behavioral patterns. And yet we put the cart before the horse, so to speak, in saying like, I wish I was just more motivated. I wish I just had more discipline. 
what the fuck does that even mean? Like, what what is willpower? You know, is it do we have a do we have a tank that within our bodies? Like, doctors and scientists have yet to identify a tank that they can say this is where willpower exists. So people say, I wish I had more willpower, or you're so disciplined. And the truth is, is that some of us have done this by accident, and certainly by you know, have been more fortunate to have certain environmental stuff or genetic things. And anybody can get better at this stuff. Like anybody can start to start to manipulate their environment, thus changing their behavior and their interaction with the various stimulus within their environment by literally training themselves like a fucking animal like a pigeon, like a rat, like a dog. I use these clickers. If you could see me, I have like these, these clickers where we would use to click train dogs. And I will use these to literally click train things. I'm, if I'm checking my phone too much, you know, why am I checking my phone? Okay, cool. I'm putting my phone face down and I'm putting my clicker on top of my phone. And every time I go to reach for my phone aimlessly, like, like a zombie to go just fill my brain with that fix, that impulse, that urge. Oh, there's the clicker. I'm going to click that. And now I've got the benefit of that sort of interrupting my unconscious reaching for the phone. And that gives me the, it doubles as, as, as data. So I can look at the end of the day and go, cool. I can track this. I can say, I rate, I reach for my phone with zero intention of what I wanted to do on my phone. It's one thing if I'm going to like specifically send a message, but if I'm just going to pick it up and just fill my brain with dopamine, I can have this number at the end of the day that says, I did that 30 times today. And then I'm gonna write that down and I'm gonna do it again tomorrow and see how this starts to impact the amount of times I do that. You can apply that same sort of logic to anything really anything that we do, because I think what a lot of people do the make the mistake of doing is, is again, putting that cart before the horse. I do this because of this emotion, right? We say, I, I, I stay inside because I'm sad and depressed. And how do we identify these emotional states? We identify them with behavior. And, and what do we know There's a lot of unknowns, of course, but what do we know that starts to actually impact and change emotional states? It's behavior. So the person who's depressed and sad, we get, we we improve their state, their emotional state by getting them to do happy people shit and finding ways to slowly start And again, that looks different for everybody. So by no means am I here saying like, you just fucking do it. You know, you look at it from a, from a behavioral lens and saying like, how can we start positively reinforcing behaviors that we know damn well will start to influence that person's emotional state, getting outside, going for a walk, getting some sunlight These sort of things that like all of us coaches are really good at saying, well, we know this, here's the science, this will help you. 
the real the real magic and art of it not magic but art is like starting to help them manage those distortions and basically empower them by saying like okay well what do you want to do how do you want what do you want to try next because you can continue to do what you're doing which is using your current state or these emotions as permission to binge eat or isolate or insert vice here drink alcohol etc acknowledging that those things do actually help them in the moment because it, it negatively reinforces things right if i'm feeling sad and lonely and i start drinking alcohol that alcohol actually helps me because the sad and loneliness goes away it gets a bit numb so that negatively reinforces the behavior of drinking alcohol and then i do that over and over again and now i'm just in this fucking pattern of turning to that and that is like down to every single environmental stimulus in my day-to-day -day life i come home from work i see this there's my liquor cabinet i grab this glass i go here we're doing all this kind of unconsciously because we've just learned to do it but the beauty of this is that if you've learned to do it one way you can unlearn that you can learn a different way as well and this is where people kind of trip themselves up with distorted thinking and in thinking like well i wish i just had more discipline to stop drinking you know or whatever it may be and again i'm i'm using some pretty heavy hitting shit like alcoholism and and depression and stuff but we we deal with people who legitimately are functional alcoholics and who legitimately probably if they were to go get diagnosed they would have like clinical depression and helping them start to look at things in that way where instead of upsetting themselves even further and just wishing that they had these these like inherent things that we can't even really define when you ask them what what is willpower it's like it just means i don't really know actually <laughs> you know i just wish i had it because that's what people talk about these clickbaity words discipline willpower etc and instead looking at it from a lens of like this is the what this is what you're doing now let's even see we can again see how this is serving you like the booze helps you because it negatively reinforces things and it also some of the things like food has food booze drugs they have a really powerful pull for humans because they have have a double double trouble of reinforcing so if i am bored and i boredom eat when i'm eating it negatively reinforces the eating because the boredom goes away while i'm stuffing my face and it positively reinforces the eating because of what food does to the brain so it's like no wonder why we learn these ways these patterns of behaving that really end up shooting ourselves in the foot big picture and so really it just becomes a matter of like meeting that person where they're at and then looking at what makes sense for them to start experimenting with finding different ways hey when you get bored what other things do you like to do that maybe doesn't involve booze or food or whatever like oh cool you you like to snuggle your dog or play do puzzles or you know do sudoku sudoku or you you said you wanted to learn a language like you know 
things like this go for a walk like people start to or create their their list of behaviors that can start start them in that direction of learning new responses to the stimulus in their lives like oh shit i'm feeling bored again or stressed from work and i feel that impulse to go towards the food that i always have just i've always done in my adulthood and i've learned this pattern of doing it and what what dr k always says is you know it's it's an old uh, victor frankel concept right in between the stimulus and the response there is a space and ultimately when you when you start to implement this stuff it's like a muscle you start to more and more that space begins to lengthen and before you know it that stress response that would have you just like literally blacking out and you're coming to and you're already like elbow deep in a bag of potato chips not really knowing what the space between the stimulus and the response was so so fine that you just like go right to what your learned behavior is over time from different things manipulating the environment making a little a little bit more of a hassle to get towards your vice or whatever it may be doing things in a calm state and making your decisions ahead of time on how you'll address that stress that stress or your uh, stressful stimulus the next time it arises eventually that space gets bigger and you start to see that wow oh shit i'm i i'm i feel myself getting pulled towards the pantry no this is when i'm going to go for a walk and shit man like seeing people start to do that in real time is just it's the most fulfilling thing ever so i feel just really lucky to be able to to do what i do that's so cool the, the uh, it reminds me of the feedback loop from hell subtle art i'm not giving a fuck great book <laughs> but oh yes i got you say you got it right there you got it right there it's I like do. that yeah right when you were talking i felt like that circle was going yes yes that's like a foundation to yeah uh, he he says that doesn't he he's like he and then you start you start anxietizing get anxiety about your anxiety yes something like that 100 right? yeah. no you're bang on yeah yeah. 100%. That's what, like, like when you were talking, I could just envision that. That was the imagery that like popped into my head instantly because it's so true, right? Like it, it's the, and as you know, like when this is where we share uh, similarities too, is like replace. Like I, I actually personally don't like the elimination, right, mm -hmm. um, of it. And, and just over the years and the experiences, and you, you even said like we're talking about maybe some like advanced or tougher subjects but like doing that for a reason because you can relate to that in some some form like you don't need to be addicted to alcohol but maybe you hear that and you're like hey this is actually very similar to me like being addicted to chocolate or being addicted to my phone and me not even realizing it right and um i actually believe like even jay shetty back in the day that was like the habit side of it and that resonated with me because it was like replace stop eliminating yeah, start replacing things, your habits, like you said, like, you know, you're reaching for the booze, or you walk outside and get sunlight. And now you're directly, you know, influencing yourself by getting that vitamin D and getting your, your serotonin up in a better form, right? Or like making, making a list of all the stuff that maybe you don't either like about yourself or what you're doing, and then putting a little arrow and being like, what can I replace that with that? That, that's healthier and 
and and the other thing that you're saying that too i was thinking about like i always think about um how am i going to feel after not before but how am i going to feel after i do something so like how am i going to feel after a workout right because that saying that good old quote where it's like you know you've never regretted you know uh a, a workout type of thing you only regretted not doing it right or you know the book even reading like a page from a book it's like you're never going to regret reading that page especially if it's something you enjoy right or you're passionate about mm-hmm. and it goes with exercise like i just think exercise and why i started this too like i hear oh what kind of exercise do i need to do i'm like lift a rock <laughs> Like, what do you mean exercise? Like, why are you putting that? Why are you putting that pressure on yourself? We have enough pressures right now, right? And stressors. It's like weights are weights. I don't really care what it is. And not to mention, it's really inspired us during this time too, to like think outside the box, right? You and I both like creating these home gyms, but is it functional equipment? No, it's our equipment. It's what, it's what works for us. Right. And, you know, a rock garden, like that was another neat thing that, you know, I picked up from Paul check, but like, you know, rocks in a circular form, you go outside, you take that rock and you start stacking them on top of each other. And when you're done, you take them all down and you put them back in a circle. Like that is cool. And for someone that like hates the gym, you know, or like, you know, they always say, I'm going to go to the gym. And it's like, and the next day I'm going to go to the gym. And the next day I'm going to go to the gym. It's like, they know they need to do it or they want to do it, but it's like, you, do you, do you really need to like what you were just saying there? It's like, create a habit not only that is healthier for you but something you actually enjoy something you're passionate about right uh, I had another um, lady come to me the other day and she's like I need uh, oh I need to get back into shape you know can you tell me any exercise programs I can do and but I don't have that much money and and this and that and I was like hey like go to a playground do some monkey bars right? Um, I, I assure you, you're going to be sore, uh, probably way more sore than, you know, pulling a, pull, a lap pull down kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? But it's like that replacement. And it goes with food too, right? I, I, you know, the, the food side of it is like, stop eliminating, be nice to yourself. There's so many replacements in there. And like, I feel like you can like grow with that. It's like, if you replace, um, actually a good example would be like dark chocolate right? You say dark chocolate to someone that's been eating milk chocolate for like years of like that is disgusting, right? And then they have it and it's like they start eating it and they're like, no, still disgusting. And then it's like, well, why is it disgusting? And if you were to like, and this won't help, you know, this might not help everybody, but it's like, if you start thinking about truly what you are eating and where it comes from and what it does inside your body, then maybe that's enough for you to then connect with it and be like, wow, it tastes a lot better all of a sudden, right? So like psychologically, it's like, oh, you're like envisioning it coming from the ground and, and eating like straight dark chocolate. And, and you know, that's where my, my mind goes to it. You get into like that advanced pieces of it, right? But um, I really like it. I, I, I'm going to go on Amazon right now and buy a clicker because I actually didn't know that about you. And that is so cool. And like, you know, I even think of like anxieties or like, you know, chewing your fingernails or, yes. um, you know, the phone, phone piece of it or any bad habits. I'm just like, wow. Like, it's like the clickers. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd actually like for you to like, 
I'd like to go to go more with that. I want to I want to hear some more like neat bio. I'll call it biohacking if, if that's what you call it. But it's like, but basic biohacks because that is a, a very efficient, strong biohack. Like I had Tanessa on the show not long ago about sleep, where she got like the the Christmas tree timer, um, mm-hmm. for the Christmas tree lights and like hooked it to her Wi-Fi, and uh, set that you know, when the Wi-Fi goes out at a certain time, a couple hours before bed, and then it pops back on, like, it's like something so simple that, you know, we can benefit from for like biohacking your sleep. Uh, but is there any other like tools that you like to use? And, and in a way, it's like replacing these bad habits um, for that or keeping track of it. Yeah, I mean, real quick, the something I want to comment on was the you mentioning of the replacement, the substitutions as opposed to the restriction. And the reason why that's such a useful thing is by way of something called ironic process theory. If I say, don't think about a pink elephant, what do you think about? You think about a pink elephant. So when we, and this is what most of us resort to, you, yeah, you, you think, you think of what, what 99% of people gravitate towards when they want to get in shape, they want to lose weight, they want to move away from a bad habit, right? They think don't drink alcohol tonight, I'm not drinking alcohol, or, or I am now cutting out carbs, no more carbs, no more sugar, no more sugar, no more meat, like all these things. It, the it perhaps works for a small percentage of the population, maybe going back full circle with the athletic population that you mentioned, where they are just more militant. They're so focused on their mission with whatever performance endeavor they're, they're involved in. And so if you tell them to do something, they just do it for the vast majority of us you know, lay people, normal people living lives with normal stressors that we all deal with, the more that we obsess or the the more that we try and just restrict and avoid things, the more that we're going to end up obsessing about it and eventually end up over consuming it by way of this ironic process theory. Um, Just as a fun, fun commentary on that. The, the click training stuff, other tools. I mean, I could go off on a variety of examples of how I've used these and helped clients use them. I also hesitate on the more, you know, public forum or just broad picture application because the thing that I concern myself with is like too much too soon information dump type thing where people go, I'm going to go buy. A bunch of clickers now and I don't know what to do with them and so they end up just being like an additional thing right so it's it's one of those things where I use them as like a a starting point of that hump that I mentioned getting over that sort of you know mythical nature of the mind and so forth that we 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 know very little about and that doesn't mean it's non-existent. It just means that all I'm saying is that we can also 
we can look at our behavior from a more scientific standpoint and really start to move the needle in the direction that we want to go by way of just like using certain things. So this clicker, when I talk about the example of it being on my phone, all that's acting as, and again, it doubles as a neat data collector because it gives me a number every time that I click it at the other day. All it's acting as is, is an environmental modification. So when we look at a problem, we can really only deal with a problem in our life a certain number of ways. We can adapt to it, like get proactive in our, in our re resolving of it or influence of how better or worse we make that problem. We can, we can learn to tolerate it right? Just like tolerate it. And we're not engaging, we're just learning how to, because in some cases, problems, they're not solvable, right? These things, sucky things happen in our lives. And sometimes it makes sense to simply learn the skill of tolerating sucky situations, because if we start demanding that we resolve this problem, and it's well outside of our control, then we end up upsetting ourselves and, you, and turning to shit and behaviors that makes the situation worse, which leads to another way. We, we can aggravate the problem, right? We can aggravate it, which most, well, let me retract that. Many of us do. We aggravate the problem mainly by way of distorted thinking. So again, with the dramatizations, the demandingness of ourselves, the pressure we apply on ourselves, the pressure we apply on others, the demands we make of life. This, this better go this way. I better be good at this. I better win this event or else I'm a fucking shitty coach or I'm a shitty athlete or I'm a, just a shitty person and I'll always be stuck in this space. You know, these distortions ultimately aggravate the problem we work ourselves up we get ourselves into these emotionally aroused states and then we resort to behavior that again has that negative and sometimes positive reinforcement of that behavior because now i turn to food or booze or drugs or whatever and boom all that negative shit goes away and i feel good for like 15 seconds while i'm stuffing my face and then what happens after boy, guilt, shame, I lost control again. Oh, and shit, the problem's still there. It did zero, you know, something that resonated so well with me. It's like, how much food, Dr. K asked me, is like, how much food does it take to solve boredom, you know, or solve your stress? Like, it's obviously a rhetorical question. That's what we do, though. We turn to that and then it helps us in the moment because it removes that negative stimulus for a very short period of time while we're, while we're getting that fix of eating. Let's use the food example. And then after the problem is still there, we're still sad, we're still lonely, we're still whatever it is, insert emotional distress state here. And we've got the added conundrum of the guilt, the shame, whatever, that because we lost control and we did our thing again with the food. So I digress a bit there. The, the clickers 
be act as basically an interruption to my environment because I have patterns of behavior that I've learned that the clicker serves as a reminder, just an, a little interruption to that sort of unconscious behavior that I do. It reminds me of the intention that I have. So really you could use a clicker because it's great because it has data. I'll have clients like, you know, if they have this learned behavior of going to the pantry at in the evening, which many of us do, right? In the evening, I get snacky, right? We, we go through a coaching call. We talk about what their intention is, why it is that they want to start to relearn a new way of dealing with their boredom. Maybe they start anxietizing about their following day, whatever, if they got a crazy job and stuff and they end up going to the cupboard, they crush a bunch of Triscuits or chips, they feel sick, it impacts their sleep and they repeat the cycle over and over, you know, we'll get them after an extensive coaching call, like hang a clicker by their pantry. Again, if that makes sense, but in some cases really what, what you can do is leverage that disruption technique of just like, hey, let's, let's try putting that, that stimulus that tends to, that you tend to respond impulsively towards. Let's just put that in a little more tricky spot or whatever. We all have heard these hacks and coaches, again, we're really good at saying them like, hey, let's just put the, the candy bars in the freezer or down in the basement where they're tougher to get at. And those are effective strategies. What is more effective is helping them understand why, why we're doing that. Like recognizing that really you're just, you're just going towards that, that particular thing because you've done that before and it, it helps you right now. It, it fucks you over later. So looking at it from a utility standpoint, finding ways to respond to that stimulus. Again, the stimulus happens. Now, how do I want to respond in a way that helps me now and later? And a thing like we said before, going for a walk, boy, if I'm in an aroused, emotionally aroused state and I go for a walk, how often have you done that and come back and felt worse, right? You always, I'll, I use that cautiously, that extreme word, but you most often, 99% of the time you feel better because we know emotional states do not last just like anything else really everything changes rant over <laughs> brother i love your i love your rants because the <laughs> the rabbit holes uh that we go down uh, they're they're great but they're also like people i could already hear and and you know i always envision people even listening they can resonate with everything that you're saying right and th that's what it's about it's just it's planting that seed to start thinking about hey like exactly what you just said rye like you know yeah i do do that and hey i do need to take ownership for that or i do need to keep myself accountable um for those things and maybe hey maybe that that's all it takes maybe that's all it takes for me to stop doing that so that i have time to do xyz right 
and I was going to ask you too, like based on Dr. Kashi's uh, principles or your, your own uh, techniques, um, do you have pillars uh, uh, that you start with? Do you have, you know, a, a questionnaire? If you, if you do do a questionnaire with a client and they come with like all these bad habits, is there somewhere where you like begin? Is there a foundation that you? Great question. Yeah, we do. We do consider like, the four pillars, four priorities in order of importance, we consider those sleep, hydration, nutrition, and exercise. And so there's a, there's a bunch, you know, without getting too pulled into the science nitty gritty of that order of importance, there's also behavioral stuff intermingled in there right because people most of most people immediately again they they jump to these extremes like i'm going to go off the couch and start crushing myself six days a week in the gym you know and so people jump to like number four so yeah that's to answer your question that would be kind of where we start because um we do weekly check-ins there's a variety of different programs within TKN, one of which is the kickstart program, which is absolutely incredible. It sets the foundation. It's like a three month module based. You get your own coach, you do check-ins, there's roadblock challenge calls and live coaching, et cetera. You basically learn the fundamentals that then helps you transition into what we call the cognitive nutrition program, which I'm a specialist in. And that's when we do the more like complex body composition changes or just continue on with like more higher level behavior stuff like we're talking about. Um, yeah, within those check-ins though, you know, if I see someone choosing their focus for the week as exercise, because a lot of people do that in the beginning, right? That's what they gravitate. We think I'm going to go run this weight off. And so they start running obscene amounts or whatever. Um, and, and I see that they, they're subjectively rating their going to bed on time, like a two out of 10. I'm going to, again, very nuanced and contextual to the relationship that, that I have with the client, where they're at, having how many calls have we had and what have I started to learn about them and what would make sense. But in most cases, I'm going to like gently remind them of what we consider the, the four pillars starting with sleep because we know, know how much sleep impacts everything so the person who's trying to demolish themselves <laughs> with with long runs as an example on their pursuit of their weight loss journey and they have such rough sleep habits they're just that's just a recipe for burnout they're going to be super hungry because they're fatigue and adding on that crazy spike in their energy output from the running and excessive cardio. There's a whole bunch of nuance there, but yeah, that's to answer your question. We kind of start with those, with those pillars. Nice. And is sleep being like a you know, major foundation and, and maybe we can kind of dissect those pillars 
just a little bit for listeners, but um, coming back to that, because I believe that is in priority, correct? Your pillars and yeah. the way you work with people. Um, optimally without, you know, and I, I don't like cookie cuttering this, but within sleep, um, I guess I'll just flat out ask you, <laughs> why is this so important? It affects everything. There's like literally, and I say this somewhat cautiously because having been through my own sleep journey and seeing it with clients, I hesitate to, to really overemphasize the importance of it because in some people that creates like anxiety around it, well, shit, um, I sleep like shit. So am I going to die? But ultimately there's like not a single physiological function of the human body that we have identified does not get impacted by sleep, um, chronic sleep deprivation. So to say that more concisely, chronic sleep deprivation basically impacts all human function, whether it's cognitive, whether it's like metabolism whether it's muscle preservation whether it's muscle building and and fat burning and like cellular regeneration all of that shit we've we've shown to be significantly like noticeably impacted by sleep deprivation so you know hunger signaling like our our the the chemicals in our brain change when we're sleep deprived such that we're way more likely to seek pleasure. And we do that, you know, like we're, we're our, our, our pleasure and punishment signaling is all fucked up or it's just crazy. So it, everything's impacted by it. So that's why, um, yeah, it's, and again, it's interesting. It's an interesting journey because you do have such a variety of clients, as you know, as well, having worked with so many people, like the, some people, and actually another kind of Dr. K piece of wisdom, which most of this is, he has worked with, like I said, he developed that reputation to such a, working with such high performers, high level people, Navy SEALs, Olympic Olympic athletes, UFC fighters, these types of like crazy high performers. And he says that he helped, he helps them perform better basically by getting them to do less in most cases, in many cases, like do less dumb shit and do less in general. So, you know, he'll, like, and that's that. So again, just to give that kind of nuance of like every client needing to meet them where they're at, because you will have that guy who is significantly overweight and yet has a background, maybe in the military, maybe he's a former athlete, maybe, he, you know, he just got injured and then like put on a bunch of weight, but he remembers how he used to perform and just, he was a wrestler in university and you know, he can do this shit. Right. So, and then he's just like crushing himself with like 4am workouts, you know, and then we realize he's going to bed at like midnight because he's on his phone or watching Netflix or something, you know, 
that's why we we have that hierarchy of importance in terms of the pillars because that guy is going to benefit from going through a process of establishing a consistent bedtime routine and you know uh, a consistent wake routine and a sleep ritual that primes his mind and body for a restful sleep like shutting down screens 30 uh, 30 to 60 minutes before bed you know doing things that are non-stimulative like making sure that he's limiting his caffeine intake in the afternoon is he drinking alcohol late at night is he eating too late all these nuances that uh that you ultimately go through with with each individual client to start to figure out what works for them is there an optimal sleep time or hours or is it very personalized um, based on the individual, I know, you know, number one, to sleep more. <laughs> um, but is there a goal that you try to get, you know, your clients to, or or is it just kind of based on their their performance and, and what they're doing? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, in terms of the optimal, like, we don't, we don't even know what optimal is for anybody, like, it's impossible to know. So ultimately, it comes down to a totally individual thing where basically consistency with whatever makes sense for them works. Um, one tip that, that, that Dr. K uses is having a rigid bedtime alarm and, and having like your own your own sort of evening routine that helps you prime yourself for a good restful sleep and then kicking the, the the morning alarm out the window some some given their work and lifestyle don't have the luxury of doing that and some may jump to that conclusion well I can't do that because I work I have to be at work at a certain time well if you really if you started to do that and you were diligent with your bedtime and you started looking at like when do I feel best I seem to feel best when I'm spending nine hours in bed probably getting eight hours in total of sleep or some people it's eight and seven it's a whole variety of things helping them understand or come to the conclusion of what makes me feel best where I'm not crashing in the afternoon and I feel good and um and then starting to like ingrain that from a this time I shut my screens down and I start winding down for bed over time, you may find that you don't need a, a morning alarm. You just start to pop out of bed when you naturally wake up because your body gets so used to it. And so, yeah consistency being key i i know uh, even personally i know that you know especially the the apple iphones or anything like that one good good piece of technology as well as like you know i i stopped setting an alarm a long time ago but i still have an alarm the only difference is, is it's about um the phone tells me you're gonna go to bed and get seven hours you're gonna go to bed and get six hours right opposed to oh i gotta be up at 5 30 tomorrow morning for work and not care about what time I'm going to bed. So there's that little alert that pops up and it's like, okay, 10.30, if you get to sleep by this time, you're gonna get your seven hours. 
and right. uh, and kind of going back to what you said it's it's like i can understand the personalized piece of it because as you know there's there's days i get seven hours and it's like hey i feel great um and then maybe i get six hours and it's like ah i don't feel so good or maybe i get eight hours and i'm like oh i don't feel so good and then the, i find my sweet spot at seven and then uh, as you know we open another can of worms because it's like oh i got that seven hours of sleep but i feel like shit so it's like how much yeah. REM sleep did I get, right? Uh, you know, yeah. was I really asleep, uh, or was I just thinking I was asleep? So it's like I, I totally understand where that can go, but and I can totally see the journey with someone with that sleep process of it. Yes. And uh, so if, if there's anything, I think we can kind of lend our our listeners out is just going, hey, let's see what you can get, and two, how do you feel? Yeah. Totally. And, and just to add on to that, Ram, like this is going to be heavily biased based on my own experience and perspective. Cause like I said, I did go through quite a sleep journey. Let's call it the, one of the most useful things for me and for clients going through this is again, coming back to management of the distortions, because like you just mentioned, it's a frustrating fucking thing. You're like, why do I feel like this now today? I thought seven was my sweet spot. I went to bed when I was supposed to go to, what the fuck is going on? I got eight now and I feel like shit. Like, oh, and this is where we can see these, the wheels start to go in motion in the direction of the distortions. And I did this for fucking years, man. Like obsessively tried to optimize my sleep wearing all these trackers i got an aura ring i got my fitbit i'm i got my cool pad my chili pad i got my sleeping mask you know i just endless i went down endless wormholes i i bought tickets to that show it was like i was front row and got to watch you sleep in a lab somewhere because i think you were going to a new lab every week is that correct (laughs) yes i got fully i went deep into it man absolutely and uh, the, the distortions, man, ultimately being removed from that, now having quite a, quite a, what I would consider awesome sleep. And I still have shitty sleeps. I had a shitty sleep last night, for instance. I woke up at three and was just like, shit, I can't get back to, back to bed now. Where I used to then distort that and go, shit, well, now my day is going to be screwed. I'm going to feel like garbage. Fuck my sleep anxietize would anxiety would build i'd start anxietizing about the anxiety and again distort these thoughts into a way that would ultimately affect tomorrow's sleep and so now being having the tools to be like oh i'm gonna write this what am i actually thinking right now today's gonna suck is that true do i have evidence to support that i've had good days when i've been sleepy before i'm gonna survive how can I, maybe I'll just look ahead and, and see what I can do tonight to prepare for a restful sleep. So the management of distortions for sleep, again, from my biased perspective, is an absolute game changer because there's nothing, how do I say this without negative terms? Anxiety is going to fuck your sleep up. And so on this pursuit of trying to optimize or do all the things that 
that we read from the sleep experts, the, in my experience, the number one thing that is going to impact that is like hyper rumination about this and that. And then you end up like throwing, throwing a bunch of like natural sleep supplements throwing the kitchen sink at these things and oh i've tried everything it's like did you you tried a bunch of things you didn't know what you were trying and nor nor can you know what actually worked because you're so sporadic with your with your habits and rituals around sleep which by the way like starts from the moment you wake up and i say that kind of hesitantly because i don't want to overcomplicate the matter but really it just comes down to like management of distortions and saying okay so did that work how do i know for sure you know because it's easy for the brain to just go well i feel shitty today and i took that sleep supplement so get rid of that you know we just we and i again i i say this like as like a fucking plea to your audience because i made so many mistakes and just like I just screwed myself. I made my sleep worse trying to make it better, ironically. It's funny you say that because like it's the humility of myself as well, where I like I, I remember I was actually questioning if I had like insomnia. And it was because I was literally thinking I had insomnia. Right. So it was yeah. like, what is wrong with me? And so like I was laying there and rolling around in bed and 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 suddenly, you know, uh again like you said it starts from when you wake up so i was like okay i'm gonna wake up and do my workout i'm gonna like check these boxes off and just maintain that consistency and, and actually stop thinking <laughs> and start thinking more about what i'm in control of and then suddenly oh i'm back to good night's sleep now it's funny about like a week ago i was sitting on the couch and i just started thinking about hey i remember that time i thought i had like insomnia and just that alone gave me insomnia that night. Yes. And I went to bed and I'm like rolling around. I had that exact same feeling. And it was just because I had this memory that had popped into my head and gave that to me. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then I had like a terrible sleep and, and luckily it's gone away. And now I'm all of a sudden probably going to have it tonight because of you. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's a funny, a funny add-on to that. It's like this is where that stimulus response thing because so many people will will conclude that right maybe i have insomnia i have insomnia and then we'll use that as permission to to behave in ways that we know make sleep worse so the person who thinks i have insomnia I must have insomnia because I haven't slept the last week really well at all. And so when we go, okay, well, tell me what you're doing from a behavior standpoint. Well, when I, every night when I wake up, I can't fall asleep. And then, okay, then what do you do? I turn on the TV. I watch Netflix. I go on my phone. I do something that stimulate, like, in other words, they're, you you start to audit the behaviors you're like well these behave you're using this this possibly fabricated conclusion as permission to behave in ways that is going to make things worse you know again it's like 
humans as social creatures, if you're sad, I can tell you how to get even more sad. Don't, don't see any friends. Don't call friends. Don't see family. Stay inside. Don't go outside. Don't move much. That'll make you even more sad. So like, do you want to use your sadness as permission to do the thing that's going to make you more sad? Or do you want to say, what can I do? What can I do? I'm, I'm going to manage these distortions. And what can I do to start doing things that I know will make me more happy? I'm going to call a friend and tell them how I'm feeling. And it comes, it all, again, that's why I kind of rooted things off of the distortions because the sleep thing, I find it's near and dear to my heart, given my background with it and struggle with it. And what, like you said, I, I used to do that shit. It would be like, well, my sleep's just fucked. So, so what's the point? What's the point then? I am going to go and watch this movie that I want to watch. And that just helps me stay up even later and screws my sleep rhythm even more as a funny side note. Uh, totally it's like scrolling on like instagram and trying to find all your fellow <laughs> non-sleepers you know the rock yeah. you don't need no sleep like do more yeah. who needs sleep oh, you sleep man. when you're dead bro <laughs> i listen i love the rock i also yeah. think he does a lot of damage to people <laughs> in a way that he's unaware of i love him to the death bull. but yeah he's, he's the so bull. funny a hundred percent. Well, but and I know we, we could go hours. We could have like an eight hour podcast, yeah. but I, I just want to quickly, cause I, I don't want to like keep it uh, open-ended here. Um, but I do want you just to kind of briefly go over the hydration piece. Uh, cool. I know that's a, a huge pillar and uh, just yeah. some, some kind of simple points about that. Uh, and, and, you know, just first and foremost about that piece of it, is it, is it strictly water? Uh, is there timing? Again, we'll try to simplify it as best as possible, but uh, what, yeah. what, what's your, what's your hydration spiel, bro? That, that is more simple because basically what, what I get clients to do is, aim for anywhere from 0.5 ounces per pound of body weight all the way up to a full one ounce per pound of body weight per day. So that's kind of like a general range that I give people and the rest of it just comes down to like the behavioral stuff again, you know, having a water jug in front of you serves as like that stimulus and that some people do fine with hydration without having that. So it really, it's, it's contextual to the individual. Um, Cause you can go really nitty gritty. If someone's like really struggling, well, then we might look at, Hey, how do we make this a little more pause? How do we positively reinforce your hydration a little bit more? How about we look at some water enhancements, some water flavors? I love those. And I, I drink like five, six liters of water a day. And it's, I find it delicious. I go pee a lot, but I feel amazing, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of, I, I give them that general framework. And, and so much of, this is where one of the biggest I mean, everything in my coaching practice changed when I started learning from, from Dr. K and the team and 
you know, helping clients using their, his methodology. But one of the most, most, the biggest things that changed was like, there's frameworks, but it's more about having them start to figure it out. So instead of me being like, here's the template, I want you to drink this much and do this and get 10,000 steps a day and do this. It's more like, here's a range. Now go, go do this and let's gather some data. And that's what it is. It's basically, let's gather data. And then we're going to learn. We're going to come, you're going to come back to me with that data. We're going to analyze that data together. We're going to learn some shit from that. And we're going to use that shit that we learned to then make some informed decisions moving forward. Here's what we learned about you and your data. And most people already know what to do, so to speak. They know so much more than they think. Um, and that's where giving them this like blueprint of hit this amount of hydration or steps or whatever like people know water is good to drink. It's good to be hydrated. It's good to, to move and get steps and it's good to get good sleep. Everybody already knows this. So really we, we take more of an approach of like, basically just go do what you've been doing, but you're going to track it. You're going to go do what you do and just gather data. And that by the very nature of doing that, they start to develop awareness. They start to go, oh shit, I'm actually paying attention to how many of these water bottles I'm having per day. And they're only 15 ounces. I'm having three. I'm only having, you know, 45 ounces of water per day. Shit, I'm probably pretty dehydrated or whatever. Like they start to they start to bring awareness to their behavior instead of just operating the way that they have been operating. They're just gathering data and then they bring that data back to us and we go, cool. Okay. Here's, here's what you would benefit from. Tell me what you want to do about that. And then they start going, Oh, well, I could do this. Awesome. Tell me what that looks like. Well, I'll do this. Cool. Any challenges that you anticipate? What kind of roadblocks usually get in your way? Um, I usually get stressed out here. Awesome. How do you want to handle that? Like, and, and really it's just questions and helping them look at like this week I'm doing this instead of this vague focus of like, I'm going to try and hydrate more. It's like, okay, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make those decisions ahead of time? What's your objective specifically? Because when we do those, when we set those vague intentions this week, I'm going to focus on this. Our brains kind of go, okay, cool. Check mark. I've, I've, I've dealt with that. And then we end up at the end of the week and we go, Oh, wait a minute. I don't even, I don't even know if I improved in that area. So another tangent, I apologize. Zero apologies needed. <laughs> we love it. We love the right tangents. Yes. The power of water. Uh, I could not agree. Yeah, more. I, I feel like it's a nice segue into nutrition because uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but like, 
water just like you were just saying and it's pretty funny because you mentioned like you're drinking six liters of water that probably just made a bunch of listeners run to the washroom so thank you for that um, <laughs> empty the bladder because that is yes. that's you know what in I reality <laughs> in reality I, I literally get that it's like i try to kind of explain that uh you know to, to people and going well how much water you drink and usually they say uh i have no idea and i said okay well let's yeah. just track this uh for a week and just to see why don't you just like start counting how many bottles of water you drink and then you know I, I come back and you know i said okay well why don't you add one extra one and then they come back and they're like oh i'm peeing all the time and so i go okay well why don't we just do half of that right and just start building that up to a piece but going back to the segue into nutrition uh and stigma for whatever it is for bodybuilding, for instance, as to, oh, it's super unhealthy for you and what have you. One of the best things I, I learned about bodybuilding competitions and prep was water depletion and how amazing and magical our bodies truly are. And, and you know, the water loading week that I that I have done more than, than once, um, you know, and to the point that, you know, shocking my body to drinking, you know, up to 10, 10 liters of water oh, uh, and, and, Good Lord. and it, it was nuts. It, it truly was. And, and again, this is a bit of a bodybuilding side of it. So it's not like the everyday thing. And I, I don't suggest this, but, but where this goes is kind of like the guinea pig of the human body or the science experiment of the human body to see like you drink 10 liters of water for a few days. And then suddenly you start sipping on, you know, uh, half a liter you know, the, the the final day that you're say about to, you know, go step on stage for, and this is very personalized. So I'm just shooting numbers out there, but just by sipping on that, your body's like, Hey, I'm waiting for that 10 liters. And if it thinks it's getting 10 liters, the coolest thing that, that occurred with me and, and multiple clients is that your body dumps it. It dumps 10 liters of water and there's your water retention side of things. Right. And so by the time you get off stage, your body goes, Hey, I'm didn't, I'm not getting that 10 liters. And suddenly the water retention stuff comes right back. But to see you take in 10 liters and have your body suddenly think, you know, just by having that for, for a week. And that's how amazing our bodies are. It's like, you've been giving me 10 liters and I, I now know to dump 10 liters, right. Of water. And if I continue giving you that, I'm going to, you know, my body's going to have to work overtime to dump that water. And the other uh, side of it is a lot of people think with water retention is that, oh, I don't drink water because I don't want to like look puffy or I don't water water retention. I'm like, wrong, man, you got to drink more water. And I've even practiced that with some people who are like, hey, I want a workout plan. I want this. I said, I want you just to drink more water for the week. And no <laughs> word of a lie. They've sent photos and they're like, what the hell man like i changed yeah. and i'm like yes yes dude. and and then and then you start and that's where the segue of nutrition is right because then you you know i bring up okay now you're hitting this amount of water um and and even before i look at food which i want you to comment on it's like i started actually looking at the sodium uh 
So now I look at water and then I look at sodium in the food they're, they're having, right? And some cultures have like a really high sodium diet without them even knowing it. And there's a whole other rabbit hole that we, you know, I, we could definitely talk about, but like the, the difference between your, your, your iodized salt, which is basically poison and something like Celtic sea salt, right? Where it's like filled with minerals and like they taste the same, they're salt, but it's again, that uptake and what your body's actually going to be using. Right. So then I'll like going back to the sodium trick of it is going, okay, you're going to reduce a bit of sodium, keep drinking that water. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, maybe I didn't have that big of love handles. Oh, weird. Like my lower stomach looks a lot different. And it was strictly water, not changing anything, nothing in their routine. And so going back, like the power of water is everything. And to segue into the nutrition piece, it's like, if you can put that much water into your body and your body knows to dump that much water, well, could it be that calories will do the same, right? You give your body that much food and it, then it knows after consistency and, and, you know, I'm sure you and I would make a lot of money if we knew that magic number, right? 20 days, 21 days, 10 days, 12 and a half days that your body suddenly realizes, Hey, you're giving me 2000 calories. So I'm going to dump it each day, right? Because our bodies are stubborn. They hold on. But when that happens and that consistency of those like calories every day of say 2000 every day and the body starts dumping those 2000, there's your win. There's your victory. Simplified, right? Simplify, simplify. So nutrition, right? My rant, my rant and segue into nutrition for you and go. (laughs) Nutrition. What would you like to know? <laughs> well, exactly that. So I guess like dumping the water side of it in, in regards to food, is it almost, I won't say simple, but do you take the same strategy that you kind of do with water and kind of um, apply that the same way in the nutrition or do you even go a step backwards? Before yeah, you- good, good question. I think you're, I think you're onto it there. It is if by a step backwards, you're meeting less parameters, like with the hydration piece, I mentioned that I'll give kind of a range just to give people an idea with the nutrition. It really is simply track. Let's gather data. So whatever you're doing, let's just start, let's just start building the skills that will allow you to gather that data. And again, by, by way of, there's actually a, I forget the name of it. Hawthorne effect is what it is. The Hawthorne effect is that awareness that, that comes as a result of tracking things has an inherent impact on how a person behaves. So we're talking about nutrition, someone who's just been eating you know, quote unquote, intuitively, and they're very overweight, and they start to track and gather data, their eating changes as a result of this Hawthorne effect by way of just seeing what's in front of them. Oh, shit, this is what I'm eating. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't think that was the case. And this goes so far beyond nutrition, just tracking data 
tracking things in general for me has become just an amazing thing in in my life like often we'll go i don't have time for that i don't have fucking time for that well have you how much time does that take you like actually have you tracked it even as a fun thing like i say that kind of accusatory but like really i've done this with myself where i'd be like oh i don't have time to do that like i don't have time to go for a walk in between client calls really well you got you got like a 30 minute block can you go how much time does it take you to go around this block here i'm going to time that it takes me nine minutes you know and i just got like a thousand extra steps or whatever just as a fun fun side piece but yeah the nutrition I basically give zero, zero parameters. It's just track. And then it's again, that same process. Let's gather data, bring the data to me. Let's analyze the data. Let's learn some shit from this data together and then make an informed decision moving forward and rinse and repeat. So someone will will start to identify like, wow, look at this. Cool. Nice job on tracking. Like you track every single day. That's awesome. Now here's a super cool thing. Check this out. When I map out your, your calories, you can see here that when you really overdo it, you go way high. You tend to go, you tend to have a really low day the next day. And it kind of perpetuates this roller coaster of eating where you're, you're, again, your biology keeps the score. So if you really gorge one day, you got more sh- stuff in your gut and your hormone signals are all hunger signals and fullness, like everything's all kind of thrown for a loop. So the next day, things are different and then you under eat. And then what happens? Biology keeps the score and you're more likely to overeat again at some point. So like helping them start to then take those data points that they've brought to us without us saying here's your calculated bmr and stuff or just like track and then starting to help them like identify the field within which they like to play it's like here's what you're already doing and so now we're just gonna like we're just gonna take what you're already doing and just kind of let's give you a calorie range so your goal for this week is you're going to try and eat within this calorie range and i noticed that like you're quite low on your protein so we're going to go ahead and bump your average up by 10 grams so here's your two targets for nutrition this week try and hit you know x amount of protein per day and eat within this calorie range boom they do and again it's different for everybody some people hang out there for quite a while because they have a lot of necessary skill development to make it manageable And then there's those who, you know, have just more skill and they start to get more and more accurate. And that's one of the crazy paradoxes of the nutrition piece is that people think, and I was one of these people, I used to think tracking was restriction, tracking equaled restriction. And it is the fucking opposite, man. Granted, I will say that perhaps there are cases where it makes less sense to do this. Some extreme outliers for sure. I'm not saying it's like a panacea and this is the way you must do it for everyone. I just know that for the vast majority of people, we have this preconceived, many people have a preconceived association with 
measuring and managing their food intake as restrictive. And yet, what do you do? Like, do you just hop in your car and go for a road trip without checking your fuel tank? Do you just spend frivolously on a shopping spree without knowing how much money you made that month or how much you've saved up? Like, we kind of have these weird associations with eating that we have completely contradictory relationships with other facets of our lives that we do measure and manage things. And in my experience in damn near every single one of my clients' experiences, once they've developed the skills that allow them to really kind of measure and manage and track things more or less on autopilot, it has the opposite effect. It's a paradox. They're, they're more free to say, I like ice cream, so I'm going to fucking eat ice cream tonight. I'm planning that in. And that's one of the coolest things too, is where like people come into the program and again, slashing of the other three tires, right? They, they have this, this association, ice cream's bad, chocolate's bad, gummy worms are bad. Any insert delicious food here they see as bad. So if they eat said food, they've wrecked the day. They've wrecked their diet. And so then they go, well, fuck it. I've got a flat tire. Let's go slash the other three. I'm going to eat this whole, like all the Ben and Jerry's that's in my freezer right now. I'm going to go through it because I'll start again tomorrow, you know? And so helping them start to realize like the beauty of measuring and managing is actually increased flexibility. In the beginning, you front load the effort and energy and cognitive strain that it does require. It is a hassle in the beginning, but you front load it and then it becomes kind of autopilot. And then you're like, hey, so what do you like? You mentioned ice cream on our first call. Why don't you, here's your, here's your homework for this week. I want you to have ice cream every night. Like you're probably not going to be able to have as much as you want to have or had in the past, but like, let's start, let's start incorporating that. And before you know it, again, one of the most rewarding pieces of it is you got somebody who's like, I am, I'm having my, like one glass of wine a night or like a little bowl of ice cream or this delicious thing or chocolate things that I used to think was bad and basically if I ate them, it meant my diet was over and I had failed. I'm now incorporating them and I'm waking up feeling amazing and knowing that I'm continuing to progress towards my goal. It's really, really a neat thing. That was a, that was a diamond and gem of the podcast that, uh, that right there, right. I love your examples. Uh, just the way you even said that, even about like, you know, finances or the gas tank and driving. And it's like, you're a hundred percent correct. I don't know how many people even have said to me, Hey, I want to, I want a diet plan. Tell me what I, I'm going to eat, but Hey, I'm not doing that tracking thing. Right. It's just, it's yeah. so funny. It, it reminds me of like, of me or you uh, or anybody going into a restaurant with a Tupperware container right or going into mcdonald's with the tupperware container and everybody else looking at you like what a weirdo and yet you know what i mean like it's just yes really are, are, am i the weirdo right right <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> yes it's, it's, it's like not even accepted like 
and that's well, the that, packing piece. We we are that weirdo, so to speak. And the funny thing is, is like I'm not, and I know you're not saying this either. It's not like you don't have to be the crazy Tupperware guy. No. But society when you do this. You you yeah. It's like again, it's that fucked up paradox because in a lot of cases we'll conform to the environment that we're in. So everybody else is thinking that's weird. So that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm just going to do what they do and I'm going to overeat, not know how much I'm eating. And then I feel like shit the next day and I, the, the scale spikes up four pounds. And so the funny thing is, is like this, for that, we have assertiveness, the skill of assertiveness, right? Letting people who you're with know like, hey, listen, I'm pursuing this particular goal. I'm going to be bringing Tupperware or eating certain things on this trip that we're doing. This is a really common thing that I have discussion I have with clients, like building, strengthening your affiliations. So Dr. K uses a 3A um, approach he calls them the three cognitive nutrients of his kickstart program, which is aptitude. So like the skills that we have and can develop and can learn um, affiliations, our environment, the people within it and autonomy. So the decisions that we make. And so the affiliations piece is a really big one because in that instance, it's, it feels weird to be the odd person out with the, with the Tupperware, but like you and I both know, and I'm, I'm actually a lot newer to this than you, you've got deep experience in like competing. So you've been accepting of being the crazy Tupperware dude for fucking years. I, I like only recently started getting into that kind of thing because it makes me feel so good. I feel amazing. And now with the with the skill of assertiveness, being able to go to like a buddy's place or something and be like, dude, I'm going to bring my fucking dinner. If you, if you, are you cool with that? Can I just bring my dinner? They're always like, yeah, of course. And I'm in there just crushing like something that I think is delicious. I'm satiated. I'm, I'm not guessing it's all ready. It's all measured and it's all, it, it fits within my plan. And I know that I'm just like progressing towards my objectives and I'm enjoying the social aspect of things. Well, and isn't it true? Like your, your taste buds truly change, right? That's a oh, yeah. huge piece of it. It was so funny because I remember even like one of the the, the, the shows and that too. And like we went for a, a weekend in Whistler and I brought my food and, and then we went to this like pizza place. And I, you know, I, I ate pizza because I can and I could. Yeah. And so I, I like eat like slice of pizza and I remember... Um, my wife but she, she says uh she goes oh this is not good and i'm like this is so good like <laughs> wow can you can you taste the tomato sauce like the basil i could taste it all right or like a blueberry oh my god that tastes like a skittle right like oh yeah oh so, and i still remember i had this like lemon these lemon crystals and you can get them at the grocery store where it's like crystallized lemon juice and it was super sour. And I'd take a cucumber and I would dip it in this these lemon crystals and eat it. And no word of a lie, it tastes like Sour Patch Kids. 
and it, it still does you, you take that try that yeah and run with it Candy. but yeah you're 100 correct right it's just ah, it's so funny i just i love that i i know just like i have a feeling and uh this is why we do this even one listener um hears this right but it you know it is an inspiration not only just to just track what you're eating but to start writing it down I to this day still have clients that came to me for full-blown plans and just write their food down and and that's a win right there and yeah. you know uh yes tracking uh takes it to a whole other uh level but I'll also say I'm totally on the same page as you and going if you're plateauing um, just by just writing it down and you know, you, you are going to maybe need to take that extra step, but like the way you just said it made it fun. You know what I mean? Like you took all of the stigma around it and you described it in a way where it was like, yeah, like you're hundred percent correct. Just like those examples you used could, could, and I hope that really does resonate to people out there and going, yes, this is, great for you like stop thinking that it's work stop thinking that it's restricting you right this and, and start enjoying it and start thinking and being in the moment too like there's another huge piece of all of this that we're missing right like shut the tv off and eat your food and start thinking about the flavors that are coming out of it where did you get it right uh, you know all this stuff and uh oh we could just be all way better off uh for that that lifestyle so um like I said, we're going to just keep going, right? But we have to finish the pillar off. I said we can't. Let's go, cap go it. Yes. yes. Last but never least, but the fourth pillar of uh, Dr. Kashi nutrition and Rye, Rye's uh, pillars here, we've got uh, exercise, the good old fashioned exercise. And, and I want to first and foremost say, you know, I, you know, and I know you're the same way, but you, you talk to some people where, you say the word exercise and it becomes, you can already hear that they think of it as a chore. And I know you and I, right. Uh, first and foremost, I, I just get so excited just to think that I can go exercise, right? Like I don't even think yeah. of it as a chore, but then having and coming back and being like, no, like, you know, why do you feel this way and how can I make it, you know, fun or something you're actually going to, you know, uh, succeed with and, and do. Um, but yeah, where do you go with exercise? Because I know it's definitely not a chore in our lives, but coming, you know, back to, you know, the, the common person or the average person, uh, what is exercise? Uh, and I'll open it up there. Yeah. It's, it's basically moving your body on purpose and with purpose. So I'd simplify it with that. And to your point, those of us who have or exercise is an integral and enjoy, now enjoyable part of our lives, that's the case simply because we've done it over and over and over. And now the, the behavior is so ingrained and it's reinforced to such a magnitude, like time and time again, we know how we feel after a good workout. And we're also now skilled at it enough. When it when you get skilled enough at anything, that that behavior, that action can become inherently motivating. I'll throw in quotes. 
to give you an idea, you can get into something for like a variety of reasons, perhaps more externally or extrinsically motivated, right? I want to get into lifting weights because I want to look jacked and, and be attractive to my preferred sex, you know, like, and then as you, as you continue to do that, you might get so skilled at it that like, if someone were to say, Hey, you're, you're not going to get any more jacked ever again. How do you think about that? They'd be like, I, I still am going to go to the gym because I love it. You know, <laughs> I'm still going because I love it. It's just like this thing. But anyways, the, I digress. The, the point, the exercise pillar is really finding something for that individual. Again, I say this a lot, meeting them where they're at and looking at ways to taking the behavior approach where you just say, what are you doing right now? So again, we're just going to track data. Do you have a Fitbit? Put your Fitbit on, wear your Apple watch, figure out approximately how many steps you're getting in per day, which gives me that really good data point. If someone's like a desk jockey and they're walking, you know, 3000 steps per day, we've got like a really good baseline. This person's going to have tremendous benefit from getting that to like 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 type steps per day. And so finding ways to make that more rewarding for them. What do you like to do? You know, again, more of a lifestyle, big picture approach, instead of just like do 10,000 steps a day, it's like, well, what, what do you, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy doing? Like you mentioned that you've got a dog. Do you like to go is there a park that's a little further away that you can walk to? And, and you've got that positive reinforcement of getting the joy of playing with your dog. Or to use your point earlier, like, do you, can you go, do you live, like, go to the forest? Maybe fucking build something, like move some rocks. Like there's just an endless amount of things. And again, with the management of distortions, we can start to see these things where we used to just go, oh, I hate exercise. Oh, I hate this. Well, do you hate it? Do you really hate, like, what is exercise? And they're like going to the gym. Okay, cool. Well, let's come to terms here. Because I define exercise as just moving your body on purpose and with purpose. The gym is, doesn't fucking matter. Oh, really? Okay, cool. So let's start with that. You know, now that we're aware of that, what what do you like to do that where you're moving period you know well i uh i like badminton you know when's the last time you played badminton? like again you can just there's so many angles that you can go and when people start to manage their distortions and with the right kind of support they can start formulating these things that that help them move their body on purpose and with purpose in a way that it isn't just punishment and pressure because when people think that I must do cardio or hit the gym or whatever, these things that they have this negative association with, it's like a negative stimulus due to some past event or experience. And then they try and white knuckle it by putting this crazy pressure on themselves to like, I need to get to my goal weight so I have to go punish myself in the gym 
it just, it's, it's a recipe for long-term failure. It's, it's gonna be unsustainable. So instead looking at it from like, what's the value? What do you value? Turn that pressure into value by looking at what you want to go towards, what you want to go towards, as opposed to what you're like demanding of yourself or what you're trying to move away from, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes all the sense in the world. If that doesn't inspire people to get healthy, I don't know what will, right? The the words of the words of wisdom. It's uh you know, it's been it's been an amazing chat with you, brother. I feel like we're definitely gonna have a to be continued, of course, many, many more. I think that's a nice foundation for our listeners. And you definitely planted the seed, not only for me, but for everybody else on on some some new ideas and and just the way of thinking, right? Like the the psychological side of it. And that's why I said like uh, you know, I meant it when I said these extraordinary transformations that you've, you know, been doing because it it just goes way more beyond, you know, reading something in a magazine or, um, you know, or hearing about somebody getting on a program or a diet, for instance, or a certain type of workout program. It comes back to personalization and quality over quantity. And I can't preach that more enough. And you encompass all of those uh, you know, all of those things and and those pillars are are absolutely amazing. And what a great way to start uh, learning about somebody's life. And then I, I, I can just see that you, you could probably just create all these other pillars, uh, uh, you know, beyond there to create that perfect lifestyle. So I'll throw it back at you and go, where can people find you? And uh, how do they get in touch with the Rye Guy? Do it through, through trevorcashynutrition.com. So it's Cashy is K-A-S-H-E-Y. So it's trevorcashynutrition.com. That's the team that I'm a part of. And uh, yeah, I am one of, of several super passionate coaches that, that adhere to all of these, these parameters that I'm, I'm mentioning. And uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible company and an amazing community to be a part of as well. Amazing. Well, thanks you. Thank you again, Ryan, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I, Cannot wait to do it again with you and, and see you uh, live in person next time. Stoked for round two, live in Ramsey sauna. <laughs> Love you, brother. We'll chat soon. Love you too, man. Thank you.